Uh, get back to our Bible in uh, Acts chapter 12. I love these songs that we've just and uh, just really it, it just describes very well. Thank you to Brian who uh, put those together for us this morning. That God is using uh, the early church in order to expand His kingdom here on earth and uh, still exists in the world today. The calling is that we are moving forward the kingdom of God, and so God uses us uh, in in very. Um, impactful ways as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and as we live that out before uh, those that we, we have around us. And we have noted all throughout the uh, book of Acts up to this point, the prayer life of the early church. And uh, they were intense and they were fervent uh, when it came to prayer. In fact, when they find out that James has been beheaded and Peter has been put in prison, uh, you will note that in chapter uh, 12 and verse 5, it says the church was earnestly praying to God for him. To God. Now, I want you to look around our walls. There are names of God on our walls that are here every week. Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Jireh, Shalom, Sedeknu, Rohi, Nisi, M. Kadesh. All of those names represent God's person and have intervened into the lives of individuals. And so when we pray and we know that the names of God is behind what we pray, all the other do those prayers look like? How do you pray when you know that your prayers are doing something other than just filling up. You know that when your prayers are being prayed, that something is being released upon the earth that would otherwise not happen. Chapter and kind of look at it through the lens of, of prayer and praying, uh, praying uh, the of God and who he is and what his name represents. And so the title of this message is Detained But Not Defeated. All right, so... Uh, just as head, he entered into the presence of God, right? He entered into the presence of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was one of the inner three. He was one of the, you know, Peter, James, and John. He had like this special connection here on earth, but he was not defeated because he entered into his victory because Jesus had already secured his victory. Defeated because God is not through with him yet. God has a plan and a purpose that is going to come into fruition, and they've tried to, to detain him before, and God keeps letting him out. Detained, but not defeated. So here's my key thought for today. Well, I got one amen. Don't mess with a church that's on its knees. I'm going to tell you, when a church is on its knees, things happen. Why? Because God shows up. And God shows up in response to God's people praying. And so we're going to look at this, these characteristics of what does the greatness of God sound like when we pray. And so here's my first point is bold prayers, bold prayers join in God's work. Bold prayers join in God's work. This uh, chapter uh, begins by saying that it was that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. Well, why was King Herod doing this? And who is this King Herod? Because whenever you read the title was not a name. And so um, let's kind of flesh that out a little bit is that um, it's kind of like George Foreman used to in Scripture. When Jesus was born, it was Herod the Great who was king. He was ruling and reigning. It was he who met with the Magi in Bethlehem for fear that there was a rival king uh, going to usurp his throne. And so there are all kinds of things. He was married ten times. He killed many of his wives and his children. In fact, in Rome, they said it was safer to be Herod's pig than his son. Uh, so that was Herod the Great. 
And so Herod began having children, and so uh, one of his sons was Herod Antiochus, who was the next king over Galilee, that region in which Jesus Antiochus, as he was being led through his trials prior to his crucifixion. And Herod Antiochus was the son of Herod the Great, who had um, Agrippa I. And so um, Herod Agrippa I was the grandson of Herod the Great, the nephew of Herod Antiochus. Now, in order for Herod Agrippa to have peace with the Roman emperors, he had to make sure that there was peace in the land by purchasing whom the Jews hate. Uh, it, they like it. In fact, they encourage it. And one of the top, you know, the, the inner three, Peter, James, and John, you know, James and John were brothers. Uh, the Sons of Thunder, that was their nickname. They were the Sons of Zebedee in the early church, the number three leader. And now all of a sudden, uh, Herod has taken him out. Peter, he's thinking, well, let's lop the head off this snake and let's just put it to rest once and for all. And if we can get Peter, uh, the church will probably close its doors. But you'll notice that since it was Passover, uh, he could not, he could not execute him uh, because of that, because according to Jewish law, you could not execute an individual during Passover. Now, there was one exception of that, and that was with Jesus, right? So Jesus went through a mockery of trials, which already broke a lot of laws, and then he who came into the world in order to take the sins of the world away. And so it was, it was a picture of what God was doing. And so now here we are in chapter 12, and, uh, and this, it's just like for their fear is and rightfully so, that what happened to James is probably going to happen to Peter under Herod's care. And so the question is, what do we do? I mean, when you have things unravel in your life, what do you do? You know, if your marriage starts to unravel, if your finances start to unravel, if your job starts to go away, your health begins to dissipate, what do you do? Well, they came. They, they could have done a lot of things. They could have sent a petition. I don't like what you're doing. How about letting Peter go? They could have tried that, or they could have started, you know, um, their own website and began talking bad about King Herod, and, uh, or they could have just, you know, started blogging about it. Maybe bribe him. That, you know, it was uh, known in that day and time, bribery was very much uh, in play. So, but they didn't do any of those things. Those were not options for the early church. The early church had no money. They had no internet. They had no clout. But what they did have was the power of God. Their greatest weapon and their greatest privilege as a follower of Jesus Christ was prayer. And prayer is what links our nothingness with God's almightiness. Don't ever forget that. Whatever you're lacking in power, trust me, God can make up for it. And the way that you're going to connect into that power source, like plugging in an appliance into your outlet, is through prayer. And so prayer is very strategic. And it says that they just not only prayed, man, they were praying fervently, which means to stretch yourself to the limits. It is the same word that is used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he is praying fervently. He is stretching himself to the limits, so much so that he begins sweating drops of blood, thinking about the fact that he is about to face the prayer with intensity. It is prayer with intensity. We don't always pray with intensity, do we? 
I, I shared with my guys this morning. I grew up in the United home. I got saved. I remember I was a teenager. with a bunch of teenagers. wasn't a part of my life. It wasn't a part of my family. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So I remember sitting in a circle with a bunch of teenagers. And, you know, they start praying. And, you, you know, they just go from one person to the next. And I'm thinking, going, what am I going to pray? What am I going to say? I don't know what to say. I don't want to pray. I don't, I don't even know what I prayed that night. Uh, it was very short. It was very quick. And so sometimes, if we're not careful, that becomes our prayer life. Is Our prayer life is just kind of like blah, 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 God, da, da. God, uh, and, and it's just bland and our mind when a crisis hits your life now all of a sudden God has your attention does he not now all of a sudden you ramp up the intensity of your prayer life because you know that this issue is beyond your control this issue is beyond what you can handle and therefore you want to tap into the power source that's going to Bring everything into his control and to release his power upon the object of your concern. So if you sit across from the doctor and they say to you, I've got bad news, your test reports did not come back well, then you're probably going to go home and ramp up the intensity of your prayer. And so here in the early church, as they are, and it says they are praying fervently, which means they are on their face before God, and they're not going to let up, they're not going to shut up, and they're not going to stop until God. And so the word here uh, is paga, which means like staking yourself and so that in the individual until God answers. And that's what the church was doing. I, I don't know, you know, they, they're praying and praying. I'm sure that they, they broke out in prayer then because um, they are standing in the gap. And they, it's because prayer joins in the work of God. From the very beginning, we hear the book earth through the means of humanity. It was God who created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and gave them authority and dominion over his creation. It was Adam and Eve and their sin that gave up and used, gave up that dominion and authority over to Satan. It was Jesus who came back in the form of a human being, the second Adam, who defeated Satan, the works of the devil, and took back the authority and the dominion of God himself. And it was Jesus who passed on to the church the keys of the kingdom and gave us the dominion and the authority to represent God here on earth. So my friend, when you're praying, just don't think you're praying blah, 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 blah prayers. You are literally tapping into God himself in the work of God. That's what prayer is about. Not a perfect prayer. Sometimes people say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. and I, It doesn't matter. You are seeking the Father, right? It's not about having the perfect prayer that's going to bring about the answer. Bold prayers attempt to join, which is why Jesus taught the disciples and us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Bible all has 3,000 promises that you and I can tag into and tap into that unveil and reveal single promise is yes in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then it is yes for you. We know that God wants to glow from the disdain through our right of evil at work in and around us. How do I know that? Because that's exactly the prayer that Jesus gave the disciples as the model prayer. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The glo global gospel advancement is the will of God. And we are called to be engaged in that. So here's the question. How much is God not doing in our world? How much God is God maybe not doing in our family or in our life or in our schools or in our neighborhoods because we are not joining in the work of God through prayer in these areas of our lives?
says, he might not do many miracles. That is Jesus there because of their lack of faith. Where was there? Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. Jesus wanted to unleash the power of God from heaven to earth, but because of their unbelief and because of their unwillingness to pray and to ask and to seek and to and the knock, uh, Jesus just, he couldn't do what he wanted to do. I wonder how much Jesus may want to do in the midst of this church he's not able to do because we're simply not praying and asking him to do it. Now, here's the big one. Not only is prayer about relationship, joining in God's work, it's is not to inform the Father, but to release the culminative mounts of power of God until enough has been re- released in You'll recall that the, Daniel was praying, and the, immediately God dispatched the angel Gabriel to bring a message to Daniel. But by the time he got there, Daniel was praying and praying and praying. It took 21 days for Gabriel to get to Daniel to deliver the message of breakthrough. And the reason why he would get the message of put a concept that find, we find all throughout the Bible is that when you somebody release be healed instantaneously in that moment, it may be over an extended period of time. If I'm asking God to do a work in somebody's life and, and just to heal their woundedness and their brokenness, sometimes you know it can happen in one setting. Sometimes it's like peeling an onion and it takes place over an extended period of time. But I know every time I'm praying, every time I'm interceding, I'm releasing the power of the Spirit of God upon my object of concern. And so sometimes uh, in spiritual warfare, man, it just takes more power. God's got to ramp up the power in order for it to happen. And we get a picture of this in the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 8. It says that there were bowls of incense in heaven, which were the prayers of the saints on earth. You might not see anything happening, right? Have you ever been praying to God for something and you're not seeing anything happening? And you're praying and praying and praying. You say, okay, God, you know what? Time's running out. Uh, you know, I'm just about to the edge of my limit. I don't, and then you, doubt begins to set in and you begin to wonder, well, am I not praying the prayer right? Uh, you know, is, is God, something wrong between me and God? And all these thoughts that Satan interjects into our lives and takes us back to past shame and guilt, remorse, and all those kinds of things to get us to stop praying. But the Bible says as God is filling up those bulls, when the time is right, just as in the great tribulation, when the time is right, God will empty out the bulls that represent God to do whatever he can do. So don't ever give up praying. It is just in the work of God. And so my, go- my goal is to align myself with the will of the Father, not, right? not my will, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it comes when God's people pray. Number two, bold prayer expects unlikely answers. Bold prayer expects unlikely answers. I find it very interesting uh, that as the church is praying, God has obviously dispatched an angel in order to secure Peter's release. And so I love this. The angel comes. Peter's sound asleep. I mean, the dude is sound. How do you stay sound asleep the night before your execution? How do you sleep through that? Most of us, uh, we would have, we would, we would have <laughs> threw all of our nails on our hands and feet. And that's gross just thinking about that. Peter, Peter is sound asleep. Why? Well, I think there's, I think it's, I think it's kind of funny because he's chained between two guards and they got to listen to him snore. Maybe he kept them up all night. I don't know. But 
You notice that he was so sound asleep, the Bible says that the angel had to strike him to wake him up. When he was struck for our sins, when Jesus was pierced in his side, in, you know, in his side to awaken uh, the hearts to God. Peter was awakened from his couple of reasons. First of all, Peter was not afraid. Peter was not worried. Peter was not filled with anxiety. How to listen to that? Well, he writes about it in his own, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety here. I've got a load of worry. I've got a load of fear because what Herod is probably going to do to me uh, whenever Passover is finished. But you know what? I'm just going to all know that all I know that I am in his hands and anything that transpires in my life must be filtered through the hands of my heavenly father. Fear and anxiety, right? And underneath most of our worry, fear, and anxiety is the fact that we doubt the goodness and the greatness of God. From any harm or from death until we're like 180 years old. That's not his goal. I mean, that's why when you look at James, it's like, well, withdraw. And, and why did that happen? I'm going to address that a little bit later. Uh, but needless to Peter, listen, because for, for, listen, we view death completely different than God does. We are we we try to avoid death in the world, and, and we we have fear and worry and anxiety about those that we're leaving behind, and how's that going to affect them, and how's that going to impact them? But God sees it from a totally different perspective. Is that when God when God has brought us to the end of our testimony here on earth, He ushers us into His presence, and the way that we get ushered into His presence is by way of death. And so whether that death comes at the hand of somebody else or that death happens by way of accident or by way of disease, nonetheless, God had gone and prepared that place for us so that where he is, we will be also. And so therefore, the timeline of my death has been appointed by God and it's one appointment I will not miss. I don't know what at what age that appointment is. It might be tomorrow. It might be next month. It might be next year. All I know is that when God is through with my testimony here on earth as a child of his, he will usher me into his presence. And so Peter, <laughs> Peter, you know, he, um, and he's just resting. He's resting and casting his care on the father because he knows, he knows his daddy. Jehovah Shema, which means God is there. God is there. Listen, there's nothing I face. Jehovah Rapha is the God who heals. God has the capability of healing and God who provides. And so I trust in, relax in God's provisions. And if there's an issue in my life been going on, when it has to do with places where Satan comes along and he starts just like interjecting the fear and the worry and the anxiety, and God has to remind me, listen, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known, and the peace of Christ can 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 just like control your mind and your thoughts and your emotions unlike anything else. Jesus says, why are you worrying the sparrows? And look at the lilies of the field. Does he not care for them? How much more important are you to him than those? And so this is Peter, man. And here's the, here's the, the promise of Jesus. Because in John chapter 21, after Jesus' resurrection, he says to Peter in uh, the gospel of, I think it's in the gospel of Mark, he says, Peter, uh, 
uh, you're going to drink the cup that I have drank. Now catch that when you're an old man. Peter eventually died being crucified upside down when he was an old man. You know what Peter knew? I'm not an old man yet. Jesus says, it's not my time to die. So why in the world am I going to worry about it? He's got me out of prison before. He can do it again. And so he just rested in the heart and the hands of the Father. And so, you know, who, who would have expected that Peter's going to be released by an angel? But here's what I, here's what I love and what I really want you to see. Notice what he says. This angel comes. He's asleep, you know, struck on the side, awoken, and he gets up. The chains fall off. You know, get your clothes on. We're, we're leaving. And so he, you know, they, they, they leave the prison. And um, Peter, it says in verse 9, he followed him out of the prison. He had no idea what the angel was doing. You know, he, he thinks this is a vision. You know, like he's dreaming or God's giving, just giving him a vision of what may transpire, what may happen. And so when they pass through the guards and they get out through the iron gate leading into the city, here's what it says in verse 11. Note this, Peter came to himself and said, now I know. I have no doubt that the Lord sent an angel and rescued. Now no moment in your life in which something is going God to do the impossible because you expect him to do, do the impossible and so he's going to move in a mighty way and, and maybe, in a, maybe in a way that is the most unlikely way you ever think God would. And we say, because here's what you need to do, here's how you need to do it, and here's the time frame in which it needs to happen. And so we are microwave mindsets when God is a marinating God. Just a fraction of the names of God, but I'm going to add one over here, and it's going to be Jehovah Nicotine. Because when God needs to show up in the nick of time, Jesus said, watch this, Jesus said he came to destroy the works. The, the Greek word luo has both a legal and a physical meaning. Okay, so the legal meaning means that Jesus came to dissolve the legal stronghold that Satan had over us and to pronounce that we are no longer bound by his works. The, the contract he had with us has been voided through Christ, breaking his dominion over us. So as a follower, as a child of God, Satan has absolutely not one ounce of, of power, authority, or dominion over you as a child of the king. The physical aspect, meaning, is that Jesus not only delivered us legally, but he also made certain that the literal consequence come to bring healing. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to lift those who are oppressed out of their oppression. I've come to liberate those who are under demonic control. In other words, he came to everything that sozo in salvation, a life of freedom through faith in Christ. Our responsibility, the victory we already have in Christ, as we meet the powers of dark, ramp the warfare that was taking place as they're battling on their knees for the release of Peter. But they're representatives of and, and his power over darkness. And so Jesus used the same word luo to describe what we as the church are to do through spiritual warfare. Shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. That word loose is the ver- same word luo. And so the question is, did Christ luo the works of the devil, or do we luo the works of the devil? And the answer is yes. We both do. 
Jesus set up the victory. We just walk in it as we exercise it through prayer. And although Jesus fully accomplished the task of breaking the authority of Satan and voiding the legal hold upon the human race, someone on earth must represent him. Someone must enforce the victory, and it is a good place for that. Amen. Here's number three. Bold prayers, bold prayer. Peter gets released, and so Peter's released, but the church is still doing what? They're still praying, right? So they don't, they don't know he's just as, you know, Peter, still, you know, he, he gets up. He goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, called John Mark. Uh, probably the church are praying. And so Peter's, I mean, Peter's sneaking out. You know, he's trying to, like, incognito. Like, he doesn't want to alarm any soldiers. That, and, and she recognizes his voice. And she's all ramped up, right? She runs says, oh, the church. You know what? Know. Peter, he's at the door. He's at the door. And I love the church's response. You're out of your mind. He can't be. It's got to be his aim. I guess we'll stop praying now. Have you ever prayed like that? You're praying for something, and in your heart of hearts, you really don't believe God's going to do it. And when he does, it's like, wow, God did it for me. I never thought it could happen. Prayer never gives up. And here's why. Many Christians make the mistake of thinking that God's mightiest works are things of the past. Testament said, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba and cities. You know, okay, what is it about, uh, you know, Bethel and Gil nation? It was at Gilgal that the children of Israel emerged from their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and renewed their covenant with God. And it was there that God put them on the side. It was at Beersheba that God gave Abraham possession of the promised land. And each of these places represented a time. What God said to his people is, listen, stop focusing on the past. Stop thinking that my mightiest works have happened in the past. Stop thinking that I'm, I'm, stop it, guys. Stop it because I want to do great and mighty works in the present and in the future if you only just like tag along with me and stand back and watch. Marla, it's like our little grandson. It's like you set him at the table and, and put food in front of him and you put it in little bowls and dish table. I don't know. He just clears the table. Here's how he clears the table. All on the floor. You can do it. Sometimes that's, that's the way we treat. I don't think you got it to, no, God wants to do so much in the present, so much in the future, which is why I say and try to, and try to this church or in the future. Amen. Because God is a God of the present and God is a God of the future and it is God's divine will. Peter, the church was praying, the, the angel was striking Peter, but the angel didn't put his clothes on for him. Could have. See, you, we, got, we pray, yes, but we also have to put our hand to the plow and work. And when we work in conjunction with God, God just, man, he just shows up in miraculous ways. So we must never give up praying because prayer is what opens the gateway for God's spirit to come in very powerful ways. And here's number four. Bold prayer rests in God's sovereignty. Bold prayer rests in God's sovereignty. And so this really gets back to, and we, we didn't read the rest of the chapter, but here's what happened is that after, um, you know, after Peter escapes, can you imagine the soldiers, now you know Roman law is that, hey, if your prisoner escapes, you get executed, right? If that's what the, what's going to happen to the prisoner. Can you imagine who had to go tell Herod that Peter was gone? It's like, 
Do we draw straws? Uh, get Mikey. He'll do anything, right? And so they let the news be known. And so Herod, as you would expect, he executes his soldiers. And so now he's just like, I need a break. And it says that he went uh, from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there for a while. And he'd been quarreling with the people in Tyre and Sidon. And so, you know, Herod controlled their food. You know, Herod comes out in all of his royal robes, and he gives this, you know, elaborate speech. And it says that um, immediately because Herod did not praise God, as an, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continues. It's interesting that in Acts 9, a Jewish rabbi named Saul fought with God and was saved. And now in Acts chapter 12, exalted himself like Satan exalted himself and like the Antichrist will one day exalt himself. And there is no one I know can recount times when you've asked something of God and believed he wanted to give it, but God didn't give it to you like you had hoped. C.S. Lewis wrote about those times in his life. And so the Apostle Paul recounts pleading to God on three different occasions about his thorn in the flesh. And God finally says, stop talking about it. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. My grace is going to be sufficient for you. And so bold prayers recognize that we pray to a perfectly good, sovereign God. So when we pray, we submit our will to his will. Why? Because God knows what is best. Somebody says, well, why, why didn't God answer the prayers for James? Why did James lose his head? God did answer the prayer. He said no. And last time I checked, that's an answer. You see, God says no. And some of that stuff you're going to ask God to bless, he's like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. I was like, I can't do it. It's just not, that, that Twinkie's just not going to happen. Listen, God is in control even when our faith is weak. The early church wasn't, you know, it's not like God has this kind of like a faith meter. You know, you've seen an applause meter, like, you know, and it kind of raises. As, you know, it's not like you come to prayer and, and God says, well, my faith meter says you're only on a three. I got to get you up to an eight before I can answer it. No. Even the early church, we see the times that their faith was weak, but God was faithful. Why? Because God's sovereign will is going up. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You will not stop it, Satan. You cannot, you cannot undo what God is doing, but God decides what we get. And so James, you know, he had the purpose of God. Can I just show you something? Um, Listen, there are other reasons, but the cup I, that I drink, you also will drink. And so some people bear witness through martyrdom has always been the seed that releases the church in, in just unstoppable power. It's always been that, it's that way and compliant that we lose the power of the Spirit of God because we just think, yes, it is your responsibility because Jesus told us to pray. Because you and I are the, it is our responsibility. Just as it is our responsibility not only to pray, but to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Philippians 1.14, most of the brethren have made confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. What did, what did, Peter, what did Paul say? He said, listen, man, uh, when I get in prison, it just like, it, it emboldens the church. They're fired up. They're ramped up. They're ready, to, they're ready to storm hell with a water pistol if necessary. <laughs> Tertullian, Jerome, all of those 
great saints of the faith back in many years ago talked about how through martyrdom the church drills down and, and just, just goes. And you also need to remember that as a child of God, James, and you, you are invincible until God's done with you. The Bible says in Revelation 11, there are two witnesses that will be here on earth during the tribulation. And here's what it says. And when they finished their testimony, they were killed in the street. And they're late. They're when you and I finish our testimony, whatever that is, God will call us home. It may not be at my life, whatever. You life like behind. My children are left behind. My grandchildren are left behind. They're going to mourn my death. I pray on because... God was done with my testimony. He brought me home. And, and God's still using you as testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will continue to do so until you draw your last breath and Jesus calls you to be with him. God's in control even when we suffer. And no one is exempt. Great your sacrifice may have been, no one is exempt from suffering. But God can act it. Here's God's power. Notice what it says. It says, but the word, verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase. John also called Mark. I love that. The word of the Lord just continued to grow on the heels of God's people praying bold prayers. So here's my, if you, if you oppose Jesus, you lose. You lose. You're a saint of God. You may be detained for a moment. Remember that. Let's bow our heads together. Now, I don't know where you are this morning.